Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the State Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. What's up, everybody? It's official. March Madness. It's here. The Big East tournament's over. All the conference tournament's over. The bracket's out. Selection Sunday happened. We have a bracket for the first time in two years. LFG. Starting there, Rob. That alone is reason to celebrate. I agree. The Big East tournament result is not reason to celebrate, but we're moving past that, and we're into the official start of March Madness, the madness that will be unlike any other this year. Our team, maybe not, but hey, we're pumped about it anyway. Good, to, good to be back. It is good to be back. It's good to have an NCAA tournament. I am so looking forward to the first Friday of the dance. And with that, I'm celebrating a little. I haven't done an ice clicking whiskey um, drinking for a while, but Rob, I got this Irish whiskey. I'm not an Irish whiskey guy. You know this. I don't think there's any Irish. Is there any Irish between the two of us? Yes, I'm actually a quarter Irish. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say it would be remarkable if we managed to pull two white dudes from Villanova and not have a single drop of Irish blood in there, but no, I am my, not at uh, all. My grandmother, 100% Irish. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. But I'm trying this Irish whiskey. It's called Green Spot, and it's really good, and I'm not an Irish whiskey guy. And so... Green Spot did not pay us for that, uh, that plug, unfortunately. No, they, they did not. Similar to our other sponsors, they did not pay us a single we need, time. We need to fix this ASAP yeah, we, anyway. We do, need, we do need to fix that. But I'm drinking Irish whiskey because it's St. Patrick's Day week, and a little luck of the Irish is going to be needed here, I think, for our Villanova Wildcats. Preach. So real quick, though, want to set the stage, just recap real quick. Rob has confined me, said I have to do this fast. Um, t- set the table with what just happened, what we just saw in the Big East tournament real quick, and then we'll move on to our draw and our first round game versus Winthrop, the Winthrop Eagles from South Carolina. Mm. Um, so real quick. Georgetown, they won. They went on win the Big East tournament. Team of destiny, you could say that. I think that there was some ghosts of John Thompson going on in MSG because uncharacteristically, Georgetown shoots one hundred percent from the free throw line, twenty three of twenty three, and we shoot fourteen of twenty two, which is uncharacteristically bad, and that includes missed front ends of one and ones. Wild. Um, we gave away an enormous, uh, no, not enormous, but we gave away like a six point lead. I think it was at one point in time, um, pretty late into the second half. Um, so an uncharacteristic loss and an uncharacteristic, um, free throw shooting, uh, percentage doomed us in that game. And it's interesting because you would have said, well, that's a terrible loss. That was the closest game Georgetown played all tournament. We played them better than Creighton and Seton Hall. Did at all? I didn't mean Mark. It's you would just still a that. terrible loss. Yeah, it, it's may, not great. it may have been the closest game they played in the tournament, but it's yeah. still a terrible loss. It's Let's be great. very clear. It's not great. You don't want to lose to the AC, but I will say, if there's a consolation prize, at least they won and and went on to win the Big East tournament. So the other 
point to note here is that by doing so, they've they saved the Big East as bacon, which is about time Georgetown did anything on behalf of the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and they managed to get themselves to be the fourth team from the Big East in the big dance. Seton Hall crapped out. Xavier crapped out. St. John's all crapped out. Played terrible. Um, and that was it. It's us, Creighton, UConn, and Georgetown that's, in the big dance. That's it. That's it. So good for them. Good for good for Patrick Ewing. I was I was actually kind of happy for them. And and you know credit to them. They've actually were ten and four in their last fourteen games since coming off of a COVID pause um, in middle of January. So maybe a little bit more Georgetown juice than than uh, maybe we've given credit for. But ne- neither neither here nor there. You got to win that game up several points in the second half, and you got to shoot better from the free throw line. That all being said, maybe a blessing in disguise. A week for these guys to practice together before our Friday game versus Winthrop. And Rob, I did what you asked. I went through that quickly. Okay, okay. Look, I'm going to stop you here. You did go through it quickly. You actually didn't give me what I thought you were going to give me, which was going to be the couple key takeaways. My couple key takeaways in two lines from that game are the following. Justin Moore is back. That was a big question mark. He looked pretty good. He is obviously going to play against Winthrop. So, Check that in the box. The killer is back. Let's go, baby. The second point I will make, my big takeaway, is Chris Archie Diacono showing that he can be a modern-day 2018 Colin Gillespie. And why? what I mean by that is that he can, we can put the ball in his hands. He cannot turn it over for a half hour and is willing to shoot the ball when he has an open look. Didn't make him but he was willing to shoot him, which I think is more important. I'd like him to make him, but it didn't happen. Anyway, that's a, those are my two that's takeaways. A good, that's a good point. And I'll just add one more note that Eric Dixon did play um, again, several minutes. Antoine, not as much, but Dixon did get run. So that was, that was a good thing to see. And Slater got the start finally. Um, All right. So, get back on the leash. It's Winthrop time, baby. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. Thank you for um, entertaining me. That sets the table. Coming into Selection Sunday, what seed or what seeds Villanova going to get? As the week wore on, it became more and more apparent that Villanova was indeed going to slip to to the five line. Some hope that maybe they jump back into the four. Turns out Creighton had the highest five seed at the seventeenth overall ranked team, and we were right behind them at the eighteenth overall ranked team. Um, so we were closer to the four line than we were the six, but by a lot. So we ended up as a five seed. A little disrespectful, in my opinion. I think we kind of earned a four, um, but you can't end the season like that with a bad injury to your all America, uh, to your all conference um, Big East Player of the Year, Colin Gillespie. Um, and and so the team and so the tournament committee penalized us for losing the final two games of the season to Providence and Georgetown. I'd like to shout out um, one of our followers, Colleen Theory, who pointed out uh, that. Those games were lost by a collective three points. So, yes, we got penalized for them, but maybe there is a silver lining there. We'll see. What happens, though? We draw 12 Winthrop. Um, and the first words out of Seth Davis's mouth are, boom, I like it. I'm taking Winthrop to beat Villanova. He, the, the, Rob, the bracket didn't even get announced, and he had already said that he had picked Winthrop. Yo, it was amazing, and I will say even more blanket statements about the the 5-12 matchups across the board. Creighton got thrown under the bus right away, too. So 
I don't know what it was. The, the lack of respect was astounding for what Jay Wright has accomplished and what the program has done over the past few years. Man, you'd hope Villanova would get a little bit more program credit than we got tonight. And I hope Jay plays that clip on repeat all week. We, we really haven't been in a position in a few years to play that respect card. But this is absolutely the position. And, and you know what? Look, as a, I would say, a casual but an avid fan, my initial reaction was I looked at Winthrop and I said, oh, wow, they're 23-1. and one. Yeah, obviously, obviously, I personally haven't been that bullish on our team of late. Maybe I'm a little bit nervous. But as we'll get into now, as we dug into it, I think the lack of respect is even more astounding. And I'll get to my call right now. Villanova is going to win this game. Boom. You heard it here first. Villanova is going to win. I am with you, Rob. Villanova is going to beat Winthrop. And candidly, the line on this game is Nova seven and a half. I think Villanova beats the spread. Woo! Let's go, yeah. baby. We are jacked yeah. up we tonight. We are bullish on the podcast. The Irish whiskey is setting in. The clinking is taking place. We are summoning communion and the Lord. <laughs> And the luck of the Irish. And I got Villanova beating Winthrop comfortably. I like it. Um, I like it. Let's, let's, um, let's dig into it. Now, 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 why? Okay, you brought up 23 and 1. Let's talk about 23 and 1. Let's talk the, about this 23 and yeah, 1. Yeah, let's talk about this 23 and 1 here, okay? Like, I don't want to act like a dick, but I'm sorry. The 23 and 1 is absolutely, you got to take it with a grain of salt because their schedule. If I told you this was the schedule for the Winthrop baseball team, you'd believe it because they basically played series. Yeah. <laughs> they played two games away at opponent, same opponent, like within a couple days of each other, two days away at the next opponent, two days at home versus some opponent. And they basically played the same, like, I don't know, what is it, 12 teams all season? Well, I forget the exact number, but it wasn't a lot. No. Um, and they played the same teams all season in that little, like, two games in a row, round robin type of thing. Um, saw nobody new really all year played one opponent uh, under that was ranked in Ken Palm above 100. And that was at the beginning of the year at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And yeah, so they went 20 and one face that schedule. So I guess kudos to them for, I mean, it is hard to play the same opponent multiple times and, and, and win every single time, but, but still, I mean, they played, they played a week schedule. I I, I want to put in perspective how weak it is. Like you mentioned one team under the Ken Palm 100, just to give you a perspective, St. John's, I think from a Ken Palm perspective is something like 60 or 70. So even bad big East teams are still above that. The majority of the teams that they played are in the Ken Palm 200 to 300 ish area. These are not good teams. Yeah, like, they are like, they yeah. are beating up on JV teams. So yeah, yes, right. it's a great record. They've played no one. Yeah, nine. They are ranked themselves ninety first in Ken Palm. And I just want to draw a comparison. Colorado, who is a five seed, and we'll get into the Big East draw. Drew Georgetown as their twelve seed. Georgetown is ranked fifty fifth in Ken Palm. That is significantly higher yep. than than where Winthrop is. That is an enormous gap between 55th ranked, uh, 55th Ken Palm Georgetown, which is the best um, 12 seed, and 91st Ken Palm ranked Winthrop, which is the worst 12 seed. And truth be told, Winthrop is, by Ken Palm, the 15th worst 
team in the big dance, which would put them on the 13 line at the back end of it. So I actually am going to go off and say, all things considered, I think Villanova got a good draw. Yeah, I'm with now, you. It, it's funny. Like we usually, we usually complain about the draw that Villanova gets. And this year, when we're not that bullish on the team, we actually get a draw that I feel first round I feel pretty good about. We'll get to the second round. Feel decent about that one if we make it there too. Now, let's not get too confident, of course. Yeah, we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves because why? And this is probably what the analysts were referring to. How Winthrop plays. The best analog to Winthrop that we've played all season is not going to be a fun news for big for our fans, but is St. John's. This is an up-tempo, turn-you-over, tough-minded, fast-paced team in Winthrop that runs deep and comes at you for 40 minutes relentlessly. They are all over the ball. They turn you over like wild. Um, and they are re- literally next to St. John's. T- St. John's plays the 10th fastest tempo in the country. Well, guess what? Winthrop plays the 11th fastest tempo in the country. So, so this is a team that goes deep too. 10 guys play 15 minutes per game. 11 play, um, play more than 10 minutes per game. So this is a very deep team. It's wild, wild. Um, They're top players. They're they're number one player. This interesting quote that I picked up in the very quick minutes that I was watching the ESPN bracketology show. Um, Chandler Vaudrin is the guy who everyone's going to talk about. He leads the nation in triple doubles. He's a six, seven Swiss army knife, kind of a point forward in some respects, some ways he's on the ball quite a bit. Um, And Jay Billis, I heard, called him a 6'7 left-handed Colin Gillespie. So basically not Colin Gillespie is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, correct. I was like, what kind of comparison is that? He's a totally different height. He's a totally different player. He doesn't shoot a lot of threes. I'm like, no, he's just a white guy. Like, is is that the comparison? Yeah, 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 exactly right. But I thought that was an interesting quote. It was an interesting takeaway that I got. (laughs) From the moments that I watched, you, you know what? Analysts. I'm like a five foot seven bearded LeBron James, but hey, you know, <laughs> to, to compare whatever you want. That's <laughs> like, ridiculous. Ridiculous. When you take away <laughs> yeah. all of LeBron James's height and athleticism, you're kind of similar. <laughs> we're, we're basically the same person. It's yeah. utter, utterly ridiculous. But yeah, no, no. Chandler, Chandler Vaughn, Vaudrin, Vaudrin. Yeah. Cool name. I'm still getting through the name. We'll get to names in a minute. Um, Chandler Vaudrin, definitely the guy to watch out for. Going to be probably a bit of a matchup problem. You know, this is a guy that you wish you're like, oh, yeah, I've got a defensive stopper. And in years past, obviously, we had with Deke, Mikhail before him, Mikhail the year prior, Mikhail the Hart. year prior to that, Hart before that. So plenty of guys you could plug in there really shut somebody down. Obviously, we don't have that quite as much this year. We've been using Slater a bit in that role. And that's likely who is going to slot in there. But I don't know that there's a, a real easy solve for him. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see how that, how that one plays out. It's going to be, have to be a by committee. I think Slater is definitely a part of that. Samuels is going to be a big part of that too. Um, this guy likes to take it to take it in the lane. I, I, I'm going to be nervous that they're going to try and switch slider onto this guy like a lot. Woof. And so, yeah, that's not going to go well. Um, so so this guy pump up fakes gets Swider at least flat footed at all, and he's right by Swider. So yeah. so 
I'm not looking forward to the, that switch. Um, but this is a guy that JR is on. Um, he's not like there's not this team, although they play fast and whatever. Rob and I were talking about this, watching their highlights. This wasn't like a blow you away with quickness and athleticism type yeah. team. They are athletic. Um, you know, they are, you know, for especially for a mid-major team, um, but they aren't a but they aren't like a blow you away type team from that perspective. They just play really quick and they get in your face and they guard hard and they run a lot of guys out and they foul a lot. They play physical. Um, they're, they're actually one of the worst teams in the country for putting teams on the line. Um, so we're going to have to play bully ball and muck this up in our own right to slow this game down and play more to our speed. But if we get on the free throw line, I like our chances. I like it. So should we talk about some of the other guys on this team? Oh, you mentioned they're not a huge team size-wise. The the biggest guy they have on their team is DJ Burns. He's six foot nine. He's a he's a big guy. Oh, he's a big boy. He's a big thick. boy. Yeah, he is he's thick with two C's. <laughs> with two C's. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We'd love to see a little perhaps a little Dixon minutes in there just to uh, absorb some fouls. But you know, we'll see. I think that'll probably be dependent on on Jay's leash and whatever Jay uh, wakes up in the morning and decides that he's comfortable with. But yeah, they, it seems they, like a logical matchup. They aren't a bad three-point shooting team, but they're not a team that's heavily reliant on the three-pointer as well. Um, they have um, three guys that shoot between 34 and 38% of deep. Charles Falden plays a good amount of minutes and scores a good amount of points for them. Um, he's 6'3". He's one of those guys. Um, Adonis Arms which we got to get to that name in a second. And Chandra Vajran all shoot, um, all shoot in that 34 to 38% range. They have a three-point specialist, a guy named Josh Corbin, 42% from deep. Um, but he seems to be – I don't think he gets starter minutes. Um, but, you know, as we mentioned before, they play. They run a lot of guys at you. Um, I, I brought him up, and I, I kind of ruined it by bringing him up. But we got to talk about this guy's name. Adonis Arms has the best names, one of the best names I've ever heard of in college basketball history. It's pretty awesome. And I was, um, I was about to make some side, some snide remark about him, about him. Oh, he's probably not that strong. And then I looked it up and I was like, damn, his arms are pretty cut too. So he actually backs up the name by being pretty jacked. So Adonis Arms is the, uh, the guy to look out for, if you will. And he's, he's pretty big too. He's a six foot six guard. He just, you look at him, he screams athlete. He screams fit. He, does he scream Adonis Arms? <laughs> I hope so. Adonis Arms is <laughs> It has got to be the best, one of the best names I've ever heard us play against. Like <laughs> that name is fucking incredible. Could you I imagine can't get over it? If you were the announcer for Winthrop, how much fun you'd have. Adonis Arms throws it down. Oh my oh, god! I could just imagine terrific. like I and Eagle on it. <laughs> Adonis Arms, it's a man jam. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh my goodness. Oh. So. So, yeah, so look, they have four guys who score 10 points per game, and they run a lot of the eyes at you. So this is an interesting team. Now, how does this speed impact us? We saw how it can go really bad. You, you could draw a line to the St. John's game, and you could say, you could say oh, well, that St. John's game that we lost away, that's a, that's, that's, that can happen. You look at the return St. John's game and say, maybe we learned and figured it out. I'm inclined to say that we kind of figured it out. I have a sense that we're going to look at a lot of St. John's film when we play against uh, Winthrop, obviously, in addition to film of them. Um, but, but I expect the guys to do that. And what we're going to need to do is handle the ball really well. This is how you lose to Winthrop. You turn the ball over. 
if we can manage turnovers, 15 or less turnovers, we average about nine per game. Against St. John's both times, we were over 15. The second game, I think we had like four, three or four less than we did the first game, and that would might have m- most of the difference. I think if we can stay under 15 turnovers per game, this is a really good chance to win here. I mean, I would hope so. 15 turnovers, yeah, like you said, it's, it's almost double our season average. So certainly the reason I think we're, uh, we're going to be able to conquer it is because we have the steady presence that we didn't have in the other St. John's games. <laughs> that of Mr. Chris Archidiacono, folks. <laughs> hey, the, best, look, the best ball handler in the Midwest or the Big East or wherever the hell we're going to be playing basketball. I love it. Uh, I love it. I love it. Now, I mean, but I mean, in all seriousness, like, look, I think it's actually going to be a big test for him. I actually don't know if these guys press at all. I assume they will probably press us. Like, they're going to look at our losses and the film for our losses, and they're going to see what happens when teams press us. And good things typically happen. And when you have a new ball handler in there with Chris, it behooves you to put more pressure on and see if he can figure it out. Right. Because there's usually that learning curve with somebody who's not as comfortable. Now, now, and that may be the case here. Now, I do think that Moore is going to take some of the more – like Moore played off the ball almost exclusively in the uh, Georgetown game on his return. It seems like Moore is going to be 100% go for, for this game. So I assume yeah. Moore will play more on ball. Um, before Moore got hurt, he was going to play on the ball, um, and he did start a point guard. So I think Moore will take on more of that responsibility, whereas a sub-point guard role, I think Arch will see less minutes than he did yeah. against Georgetown. Um, so so I think that there will be more more. That being said, it, it's going to be incumbent on them. This game is going to be won or lost by how well we get in control of the ball make good, crisp passes, make wise decisions, and take open looks. There will be open looks. When a team plays that hard and plays that fast and tries to get up tempo, they inevitably leave guys open and make mistakes. Good ball movement beats that. So the good news is, the bad news is, we know what it looks like and it can get real ugly um, if if, if we turn the ball over a lot. The good news is we've played against it. We have good experience playing against the press now. After St. Not only St. John's, but many other teams this year pressed us, including the first few games of this. So we have a lot of experience and a lot of games with which to work. And we have almost a whole week, six days to get ready for these guys. I hope you're right. I um, hope you're right. So I mentioned it before. Force this ball inside, too. I think Moore is going to be critical in that front. Moore and Jermaine have to take it to the rack and let them foul us. They will foul us. They reach in. They will foul us. Get on the line and make the free throws. That is going to be a key uh, to success here. On defense, we mentioned that they're not overly reliant on a three. They shoot okay. Uh, They're pretty good from three, but they don't over-rely on it. I can see Jay going zone a little bit to try and slow them down and mix it up. He's been doing that a lot recently, um, dropping into a 2-3. Sometimes it looks like he's going to zone up as he – um, flashes Slater out to press um, and then recedes back into what looks like it's going to be a 2-3 zone and then they pick up man. Um, so they, so Jay's been throwing a little bit of funky stuff and I think you'll see Jay do that. And especially if Winthrop goes on a run, expect Jay to flip on and turn the zone on like immediately for a couple possessions just to get them get to get them disoriented. Yeah, and it's not like we talked about earlier, it's not like these guys are big three is a big th- 
wow, it's not like Winthrop is a big three-point shooting team. So it's not like they're just going to sit back there and bomb it over a zone if we go if we do move at that. Yeah, so. now, look, look, you've seen March Madness games where they've said that, and and I agree with you 100%, Rob. And, you know, then teams tee off from deep against the major team and get hot. So, like, look, if that happens, like, that that happens. That That's a March Madness thing that, that takes place yeah. where a team that is not the best three-point shooting team, the, again, these guys are decent. Um, but doesn't overly rely on it, sits back and bombs away and has a great night shooting. And that's that could happen. We could be fall victim to that. That could happen any time, and we've seen it happen um, before. That said, on the shooting front, if we can get good looks, they have no answer for a big, tall shooter. Um, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, we already mentioned this. JRE can step out. If JRE is able to play the four, they have no answer for JRE. None. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's nice to say that. I'll just yeah. counter that though. It's nice to say that. That's all predicated on our shots falling, which, like, of late, they haven't been falling. So right. it's good to have the open looks. The shots have to go down. If they're not going down, well, then we're just in a trading twos scenario, which seems to be the game that we've been playing yeah. for the past several games. Right, right. And that's that's obviously where the risk the, is. the added wrinkle is. I do think that more will get a benefit from more likes to take it to the cup, and sometimes we've gotten on him this year about him over-relying on and taking to the cup and not passing the fucking ball. We've given him that award a couple times. He might not need to. This might be a good game for him to just take it right to the rack and be aggressive. And I think Jermaine has to do the same thing. Get on the line. I'm just saying that if we're able to do that, we're able to pass out of that and find open looks, I feel good about this team knocking them down because they're not going to be flashing, you know, a six seven long wingspan guy other than this Chandler Vaudrin guy. So this could be a good game for Swider. This could be a good game for Samuels. Obviously, you know, we've, we've gotten on Swider before on this podcast about his inability to hit the three this year. He hasn't had a good year from behind the three-point arc. And we've gotten on Jay's minutes allocation. So, but if he gets open looks, and he will, he's not going to have big guys closing out on him. Aside from the 6'7", Chandler Vaudrin guy, they do not have big guards. These are a smaller team. So Swider's a tall guy. Swider could go off for like, three or four threes this game and might be the difference in the game. I'm not counting on it. What I am counting on, I am counting on big game Jermaine. That's my guy. That's who I'm big that's, game Jermaine. That's I love who it. I am picking. Jermaine Samuels wins this game for us. I expect a 20 to 25 point performance, maybe a double double um, from a rebounding perspective as well. I think Jermaine Samuels, by sheer force of will, is going to get us into the next round. I think JRE steps up. I think Slater steps up defensively. And I think Moore has a, has a good comeback game. And I think we're grooving after this game. I really do. Wow, I like it. I like the call for Jermaine. Jermaine's been – it's wild. We've talked about this before, his growth through the season – we were on his case in mid-January about him not being consistent and still being a question mark. His consistency of late and his clutch performances of late, he's been the guy putting the team on his back. I like it. He seems to be in a bit of a rhythm, even against our terrible game for Georgetown. He was still doing it for us. And that that's what I'm looking for, for Jermaine, for him to get it done. Keep taking it to the hoop. If the threes aren't falling for us, that's the guy. It's weird to say that, but that's the guy we're going to be relying on to get us a bucket in creating. So I'm with you on Jermaine at this point. Let's bully, do it, baby. Bu- bully ball. Bully ball, baby. Jermaine Sand will take it to the rack. 
Absolutely. He's going to, he's going to show these guys in the big South, what a real athlete looks like, what a big East athlete looks like. Boom. They haven't seen the likes of Jermaine Samuels, man. Jermaine. Put- I love it. Jermaine, our, our lone senior standing is going to win us a game in March. It's going to happen. It's the way it should be. All right. So, I mean, look, we've already said it. Fuck the media. Fuck Winthrop. Fuck everybody. Fuck them. Fuck everybody. Jay's going to play the no one respects us card. These guys are going to come out like they did against St. John's a couple weeks ago. They're going to act like Winthrop beat them early in the season. And, and fuck Seth Davis, too. And we're going to punch these guys right in the mouth, and we're going to win. I said it. We're covering the seven-and-a-half-point spread. Villanova Woo! moves on to the second round of the NCAA tournament to play Purdue. And I want to talk about that next. And I will second the prediction of the win. Obviously, I'm going to say not cover. I think this is like a four-point win. I think we squeak it out, but we'll take it on. Next round, next up, the Boilermakers. Boiler up. Boiler up. God, what a weird, what a weird oh, cheer. Man, I that, really just... that and let's go. are the worst. <laughs> terrible, terrible. Um, Boiler so, up. So we think we're going to get Purdue. Look, Purdue is a four seed playing 13-seeded North Texas. I know nothing about North Texas. Yeah. So if we end up playing North Texas, I'm sorry, but this podcast failed you. So I'm not going to cover North Texas on this podcast. I'm covering Purdue. Yeah. And here's the deal. Purdue's a four seed. Like we looked at the resume. We looked at it like whatever, like, yeah, big Ten's really good this year in that big 10 Purdue beat OSU uh, Ohio state. They beat them twice. They lost in overtime in the big 10 tournament. This is a team that's, you know, decent, pretty good. Um, but the four seed there are, they are a four seed. Um, they, it's not like they have a resume. That's like, Wow. If this team wasn't in the Big Ten, they'd be a two seed. You know what I mean? Like, it's not yeah. one of those. This is not one of those. They are a bona fide four seed. They're appropriately seated. They are one behind us in Ken Palm, actually. Um, and and I got to say, I, I don't think this is an uncomfortable matchup for us at all. I think we got a decent draw. I, I think so. And, yeah, it's like you're talking about the four seed is right. Like, it's it was interesting looking at their resume. And I'm like, oh, it kind of reminds me of ours. Like, you've got a couple nice wins in there for sure. You've got some losses that definitely look a little bit questionable, some losses to good teams, and not really too many other solid wins out there. So it looks a little bit familiar. And I will say, you know, talking about the the draw that we have, looking around at some of the other four seeds that we could have ended up with in our bracket, the other four seeds are Virginia, Florida State, and Oklahoma State. And two of these we actually talked about on the live podcast. Virginia obviously has a terrific coach in Tony Bennett and has a unique style with the pack line defense, which, yes, they're, they're a, a peg down this year, as are we. But that added unique wrinkle makes it really challenging to play them. Oklahoma State has Cade Cunningham, who we talked about, who is, uh, who is the Big 12 Player of the Year and is just an electric guard who's absolutely going to be in the league next year. So he's an absolute killer. Florida State, I frankly don't know as much about Florida State, but they've got Leonard Hamilton, who's a great coach. So of the other four seeds that we could play, I don't mind playing Purdue. I would certainly rather play Purdue over Virginia and Oklahoma State every single day of the week. Florida State, maybe a little bit of a toss-up. They tend to be super athletic. Um, I don't know if that's still the case this year, but look, given that, yeah, sign me up for Purdue. Let's go. Yeah, I'm I'm for it. Look, 
They're big. They got a six ten and seven four guy. So like you know, seven, size four. That I don't is know. wild. Wild. Zach Eby is seven <laughs> four. Yeah. Wow. Um, and Trevion Williams is 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 six ten, and he's there. He's there. He's their big. He's he's what makes it happen. Um, he's what stirs the drink. Uh, for uh for them, but they don't have a Carson Edwards. This is not a team of nightmares past that we played two years ago in the NCAA tournament in the six three matchup when Purdue was a three seed and they had Carson Edwards and they rode Carson Edwards to an elite eight bid and almost made the final four and just got this close to beating Virginia in that game who ended up making and winning the NCAA tournament. And we were at that game. That was a rough game, a rough game to be at. That was really terrible. Yeah. So no Carson Edwards. This is not a Carson Edwards team. This is not a team with a takeover guard. Their big men are their best players. So that in and of itself is uncomfortable for sure. Um, but we can go and play our, our guys and shoot from deep and whatever against this team and make them play to us. They also don't play a fast. They don't also play up tempo. So this game is not going to be like, a, oh, my God, we're going to be down 30 points to this team or something because they play super fast and we just get wound up with the, with the flow of the game and don't get, you know, whatever. Winthrop is a more uncomfortable matchup from that perspective for us. Purdue plays more along the lines of how we play. Yeah, and it, what's nice is you kind of alluded to it. It's funny, right? We, we talk about Matt Painter, and I was thinking about other Purdue teams that we've played because we've played them several times over the past half, I don't know, six, seven years or so. And it does seem to be Matt Painter does have a, a type of player he, he tends to recruit. He does tend to re- recruit some of these super tall guys. He's had multiple seven-footers going back multiple years, tends to also pair them sometimes with another strong interior presence, Caleb Swanigan Swanigan is the guy who comes to mind from a few years back as well. So Matt Painter definitely seems to have a style. The good thing that you alluded to is when your best player and the guys you rely on for most of your points are inside and they're pounding in the paint and they're getting those dunks and twos, they're twos they're getting. They're not threes. And Purdue does not shoot a ton of threes. They're called ballpark, you know, in the 200th team in the country in terms of the number of three pointers they attempted. So yeah, if we're playing Purdue, we're not going to get blown out because we got Creighton. You know, we're probably going to get, if we lose, it's probably because we got pounded inside. Of course, there can be an aberration where they kind of go off and hit a bunch, but that wouldn't be what I would expect to happen. And if we're trading twos and maybe we're having a good day on the three-point line, then yeah, this could easily go to us. Eas- easily? I mean, it's a big statement, but it could go to us. No, I mean, look, I hear you. And, and look, a 5-4 matchup. We're five seed. We're appropriately seeded five seed. Like, I just want to remind people of that. Like, like even without Colin Gillespie, based on the resume, we're an appropriately seeded five seed. We can beat a four seed. This is not crazy. It's not crazy talk to make the Sweet 16 here with this team. Is it? Do I think it's unlikely because we're missing our Big East player of the year? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's tough to win two games in March in any year. We, as Villanova fans, know that as well as anybody, unfortunately. But this team's got a puncher's shot. With the draw that we got, this team has a puncher shot to make the Sweet 16 here, and I like it. I am picking us in my bracket to make the Sweet 16. It's kind of wild. I know we were – so we were talking about this before the podcast, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be optimistic. And I was like, look, you got you to gotta check your expectations. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that a little bit that it's, it's easy to talk ourselves into this when we can look back over the past few years and the success the program has had and say, yeah, we can overcome this. We have that experience broadly as a program to get it done, and we like our matchups. That said, the counter-argument to all this is 
we just haven't been that consistent and we are still working back with effectively a new lineup and a still somewhat injured Justin Moore. Yeah, he did look good, but, and hopefully he's given us 85, 90 plus percent when we're playing these one or two games. But the reality of the situation is we haven't been that consistent. One of our, one of our friends, shout out to, to Ryan, who pointed out and said the comment, hey, if we hit 35% from three and, and 85% from the line, I feel good about our chances. And my initial reaction was, yeah, I mean, that'd be awesome. That's exactly what we did the last time we played Creighton, almost exactly. And sure, if we have that kind of game, we will win two games. I guarantee it. The issue is we haven't had those games consistently. Yep. And that's what gives me pause about this team. I want to, I want to be with you and be like, yeah, yeah, we're going to beat Winthrop because I do feel good about that. And then, yeah, we're going to beat Purdue because on paper, as we just ran through, I feel decent about this. But unfortunately, the games aren't played on paper. And when it comes down to it, I don't know that this team hasn't shown that it has quite that same killer instinct that we've seen in some of the other teams of Villanova recently or somebody they're just turning to who's going to say, this game's mine. I got this, guys. Yep. And that, that's what concerns me a little bit and gives me pause to say, talk us up to the Sweet 16, baby. Yeah. And I totally – I want to go back to what we did when we set the table um, earlier in this podcast. We talked about the Georgetown loss. This team, you shouldn't have expectations. We talked about it going into the Big East tournament. We said it's very possible that this team – a lot of people didn't listen because we got a lot of what the fucks. How do we lose? Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Rob, Rob, mm-hmm. Rob, is, mm-hmm. Rob is nodding his head and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm, me. A lot of people yep. didn't listen. We said on this podcast, I predicted us to win, so I was wrong about that. I also predicted UConn to beat St. John's in the final and proclaimed that it was certain. Um, and uh, I, think, I think I said we were going to lose. Or I said we had a very good chance of losing. Yeah, we did. we did. We did. We did. But we didn't. I don't think that we got that right. I think, we, I think you might have picked us to lose. I definitely picked us to move on, but lose in the next round. A lot of people didn't want to listen to that. Look, don't don't have expectations in March. If you are thinking, oh, I'm planning a Sweet 16 party, don't fucking plan a Sweet 16. Okay? I just predicted us to win the two games and get to the Sweet 16. If we do that, that's not because we met my expectation. My expectation is we're done. We, we, we've gotten what we've gotten out of this season. I would love to win one game, um, but, but the reality of the situation is we've fallen back. We're appropriately seen as a five, and five sometimes lose to 12s. That's a common thing. So people are picking five, 12 upsets, you know, because, because whatever. I'm, I'm mad at the media because of their immediacy with their reaction to be like, well, Winthrop's, you know, get, definitely going to beat Villanova. That was absolutely fucking ridiculous. When absolutely. Georgetown is by far the best 12 seed out and Winthrop is by far the worst 12 seed out. That being said, yeah, we can lose the game to Winthrop. Wouldn't be fucking out of, out of the world because they've played such bad opponents all We don't know if they're any good. We we, yep. we we're, we're we, it's a crapshoot. You take everything with a grain of salt. They could be really good. Um, now, with that said, I have no expectations. I still think the team is going to get it done. I, there's something about it. I, I don't know why this game. This team showed me something against Georgetown. Obviously, it wasn't from the free throw line, and obviously, it wasn't a matter of holding on to a lead. But they fought. They fought through that. They fought through that game, and I really liked how they competed in that game. And with a week of practice, we talked about this on the live podcast. We talked about it on the post-game show uh, on Clubhouse. I liked the fight in this team. And I think that the week off is a blessing in disguise. And this team has a week to practice together, a week to get better, 
They spent all week in New York at a hotel. They stayed there the entire week together and got better this week. I like our guys to come out with a renewed sense of fire, a new life, not having to play Big East opponents that know how we play and know our personnel, and to come out and win two games in this March. And then if we do that, we play Baylor. And you know what? Then whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I agree with your point on the fight. I did really like that against Georgetown. For me, I think we've got we've got the win against Winthrop I feel good about. Unfortunately, I don't see it happening against Purdue. I can't point pinpoint to a single thing other than I expect our three-pointers to continue to not fall and the result of then us having to drive to the hoop and encounter a guy who's 7 foot 4 and another guy who's 6 foot 10 and a really solid player just challenging us. Um, I think that's going to end up being a little bit too much for us. So, unfortunately, I have us out against Purdue is my guess. Hopefully I'm wrong. The round of 32. Hopefully I'm wrong. Well, the good news, Rob, is if we get past the round of 32, in the last 10 years, that's shown us that we will win the national championship. (laughs) Sign me up, baby. Sign me up. Let's go. Um, Hey, I think we got it. And look, if, if, if we make it to, the, to this week 16, we will have another podcast to preview that game, which will likely be against uh, Baylor. So look, that's where we're at. We talked about it. We don't have expectations. Rob thinks we're going to win one. I think we might win two, but you check your expectations at the door um, and just kind of enjoy this while it lasts. Enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy Jermaine Samuels in his final, what may is likely to be his final run. Um, through the NCAA tournament might also be Jeremiah Robinson Earl's final run as a big East and only run in the NCAA tournament. Enjoy that. Savor it, whatever. This could be our last weekend. It's very possible and even likely that it's our last weekend watching the college basketball and watching Villanova basketball until next November. Um, So our advice to you is to savor it and enjoy it. Now I want to get to the rest of the big East really quick. We talked about Georgetown, and I'll start there. 12 seed, got Colorado. This is a great draw for Georgetown. Colorado out of the Pac-12, not exactly blowing everyone you know, away. They just lost to Oregon State, who's also a 12 seed, um, in, the, in the championship of the Pac-12. Georgetown's hot, playing well. Everything's clicking right now. They got John Thompson ghost stuff going on. <laughs> Patrick Ewing at the helm, who we've talked about this on the podcast, by the way, and we've said it. Patrick Ewing's actually a good coach. Just couldn't keep his players together. Now he's got everyone bought in. I like Georgetown to win that game. Now that to me makes sense as a 5-12 upset pick. I was going to say the media wants 5-12. Here's 5-12. Take it. That should have been your go-to. Yeah. Georgetown moves on to the second round. We got it here. We heard it here first on the podcast. Creighton, on the other hand, a five seed. If you want another 5-12 upset, Creighton got the unfortunate thing of saying – they got the gauchos, the gauchos of UC Santa Barbara. Um, and that is, they have a similar schedule to Winthrop, but better competitively in terms of the teams that they played. And, and the gauchos are way higher up on count. So I'm of the belief that Creighton, if they play like they did against Georgetown, is going to have a short tournament. I was going to say, that was a yikes performance against Georgetown. Obviously, yeah. we've had our struggles. We played a very close game to Georgetown. Georgetown annihilated Creighton. 36 to 18 was the halftime score. And I thought that was going to be a bit of an aberration. And then they extended the lead and held on to the lead. 
They batted back every charge that Creighton had. It was impressive. Creighton just had nothing going. They looked totally out of sorts. So they better figure that out before they get to the start of the tournament. Otherwise, it could absolutely be a short run for Mr. McDermott and the Blue Jays. And Rob, off of that, I want to tee up a little bit because who was Creighton's last win? Uh, UConn. Have at it. You, Have at it. All right. All right, Chris. So if you guys listen to the last podcast and then listen to the live podcast, you heard both of us bullish on UConn. And I'll tell you what, folks, I made a mistake. And I made a mistake because I bought in to this UConn hype. I don't know whether it was Chris, I don't know whether it was Sports Center. I don't know what it was. But I said, oh, yeah, this Book Night guy, he's good. He's been hurt. Oh, this UConn team, Dan Hurley, like, ah, oh, they've got it together. They've won a few games in a row. Well, you know what? That's shit. That's absolute shit. UConn sucks. They are, they are going to be a first-round exit 100%. Pilates out here telling me before the podcast how they're the most under-seeded team in the tournament. What are you smoking? This is absolutely crazy. I look back at their record. Their best win the entire year. You know what? No. Let me caveat this. The entire 2021 was Seton Hall. They did beat USC, who is what? What are they? A four seed? Something like that? They're, they're technically a six seed. And probably they're a six seed. Okay. Okay. Their best win is USC, which was UConn's first game on like December 3rd. That was a year and a half ago. UConn's been through two COVID pauses, three James Booknight surgeries, and like four conference moves since then. This is a totally different UConn team. Like, to say that they're a great underseeded team is absolutely asinine. This team has beaten no one. They're going to do nothing in the tournament. They had a great shot in MSG to knock off Creighton and then to knock off Georgetown for a Big East title, a welcome back to the conference victory. And they didn't do it. It wasn't even like, oh, we're going to really just push Creighton to the edge. No, they couldn't do it. This team's done. I'm over UConn. I bought into the hype, folks. That was a mistake. I apologize. I owe you more. I'm done. I'm done. I'm over it. Ridiculous. (laughs) The Huskies, please. I'm coming back, and I'm sticking with it. I'm going down with the ship. I like UConn. I like UConn to win a game. Unfortunately, they're a seven seed and they got a two seed in the next round. Um, if they get past the set, the ten seed, they play in Maryland. I'm not a big believer in Maryland, um, candidly. The you know Maryland's 31 in Ken Palm. UConn is 16 in Ken Palm. Where did my comment come from on on on, on uh, incorrectly seeded? It's because of Ken Palm. Ken Palm tells me that UConn is the 16th best team in this country. Does that make them the worst? Like the, the most deviant uh, deviated from their from their seed line. No, Loyola Chicago would take take and Wisconsin take the cake on that. Um, who are nine and ten respectively in Ken Palm and are seated eight and nine respectively, which is crazy. Um, but UConn is incorrectly seated. I believe in UConn. You're they right. It killer- should be a twelve oh, or thirteen. Boom. That's right. That's Look, right. UConn suffered because they have a bad matchup versus. Period. They match up terribly versus Creighton, um, and they and you know you know what bad matchup you know bad matchups and losses say to me you're just not that good of a team. Hey, that's fair. I'm not calling UConn. I'm not calling UConn an elite eight squad. I'm not. I'm saying UConn's going to win a game. That's all I'm saying here. UConn will win a game. They're going to beat Maryland. I'm picking it. 
in my bracket. I'm a Big East homer. I admit it. I'm taking UConn to win a game. I'm taking Georgetown to win a game. I'm taking us to win two games. And I'm taking Creighton to lose to UC Santa Barbara. That's my bracket. That's what I'm saying. That's what the Big East is going to do. Rob is picking Maryland to beat UConn. He's done. He feels slighted by their loss in the Big East tournament. I get it. We forgive Rob for that. Yeah. I, yeah, I've got I've got UConn with the loss, Georgetown with the win, Creighton with the win. And I'll right. figure out if they win. I don't know if they do, but they'll win at least. I like it. I like it. All right. This is a couple weird things this year. No Duke, no Kentucky, no Louisville, Woo! unless there's a COVID. If there is a Rona, there's a team That's that true. gets the Rona. It's also something to worry about. <laughs> Winthrop gets the Rona. We get Louisville. <laughs> so, Ooh. so Ooh. that's an interesting little thing to uh, pay attention to. Um, but no, Louisville doesn't make the tournament. Duke doesn't make the tournament. Kentucky doesn't make the tournament. Who makes the tournament? Rick Pitino with Iona. That is a crazy storyline that only 2021 college basketball can deliver. It's so true. It's so true. I, I mean, hey, good on Rick. Iona had like months of COVID pauses, came in as the ninth seeded team in their conference tournament, and wins kind of comfortable. And Rick Patino's back in the big dance. Um, Unbelievable. They are playing Alabama, led by SEC tournament player, um, uh, most outstanding player, Javon Quinterly. So, not only that, that's a blast from the past. It would be nice to have a point guard right now, Rob, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. Hey, look, you know, we've obviously been through the Javon saga time and time again. But I will say this, good for him. I'm excited he's found a spot where he seems to be thriving. It's been interesting. He, he hasn't been a starter for most of the year. He's been coming off the bench but playing significant minutes. Obviously, that really came through in the tournament for him. So, look. Good for him. It worked out. Yeah, we'd definitely love to have another right now and somebody who, who, who could create off the drill. But alas, maybe we'll have to wait till next year for that. So <laughs> anyway, good good for JQ. Oh, man. Yeah, I do give him credit. I'm, I'm, I'm actually happy for him. Um, we were not one of the people on this podcast. We said he's going to transfer. We, we were supportive of the transfer. It just didn't seem to fit. I'm happy that he's doing well in Alabama. And Alabama has as good a puncher shot as anybody to make the Final Four. Um, and they're in with the what I think is probably the weakest one seed in Michigan. So they have a shot. They can make it. They can make it they final do. four. They ultimately well, yeah, Mi- Mich- yeah, Michigan likely doesn't have Isaiah Livers, so yeah. it's a very different team for sure. Ultimately to lose to Gonzaga. Yes. And so yes. and so do we want to predict our final four and champion? Now, granted, let me just be clear. If I have to fill out one bracket, I always pick them to win. That's my personal rule, rule of life. Don't care. I'll put money on it, whatever. I never want to be wrong. I never want Villanova to win the national championship and me not pick it. That would feel like dirty. I'd feel like that would sully my experience. <laughs> I just can't handle that. I am too much of a fan. I do not bet on sports other than maybe placing a friendly wager on a March Madness bracket. But if I'm not allowed to pick Villanova, if I get a second bracket that I get to fill out or whatever – I pick Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga's winning the championship. And I like them against Illinois. I, I, I watched the Big Ten t- championship game. And yeah, Ohio State fought back um, and did a, was valiant in their effort. I don't know how you answer Illinois' full suite uh, in complement of players. It's insane. Um, so I like Illinois a lot. Baylor for a long time looked really good. Unfortunately, that last COVID pause, I think, took a little bit out of them. 
I still like them to make the final four, but I like I like Gonzaga versus Illinois, and I have Gonzaga winning the national championship. All right, I like it. I'm going to back in my final four here. So I agree, Gonzaga is my national champion, so they definitely get one spot, obviously, in the final four. I think the rest of my final four includes the team we just talked about in Alabama. Can JQ get a regional player of the – regional most valuable player? That'd be wild. Um out of our bracket, I'm going to pick Ohio State, and then I also like Illinois. So my final four, I've got Gonzaga, Alabama, Ohio State, and Illinois. So a pretty highly seeded final four, which I, I think is the right call in a year like this. Um, I think the cream is going to kind of rise to the top, um, and especially those teams have a, have a fair amount of experience for sure. And then facing Gonzaga in the championship – you know what? Everybody's picking it, so so I'll just mix it up just to do something different. I'll say Ohio State gets a little bit of revenge over Illinois. I don't know that I actually think that'll happen, but I'm going with Ohio State. So got Ohio State and Gonzaga. Gonzaga takes on Brown. Rob, do you have a middle, or, you know, non one two seed that you think is a potential dark horse that can make mm-hmm. it deep? I mean, non one two. So then you get into. The three, four, five range. Well, we wait, talk- hold on. On the two, one team that we didn't talk about is Iowa, who I think you've talked about before, at least privately, that you kind of like Luca Garza and that team. Yeah, I mean, Luke Garza is is great for sure. I think the challenge is, though, you know, you saw they just played Illinois the other day. Illinois got the best of them. And unfortunately, Iowa's just in Gonzaga's bracket, and Gonzaga is a very good team. You know, what may benefit Iowa is the fact that they've been in the Big Ten. They've been battle-tested, obviously, throughout the year. Gonzaga has not had quite as much of that, so there's definitely the chance that they run into a real test in Iowa, and Iowa just gets the best of them. Yeah, they've got a chance there. I'm still going with Gonzaga. So, unfortunately, I think for Iowa, that's just where kind of the luck runs out. Um, you know, the other teams, you know, if I look at the three line, you know, you've got Texas, Texas doesn't excite me. We played Texas. They were fine. I think I'd be, you know, I guess they've got a shot because Michigan's a little bit hobbled there and the rest of that bracket, I don't think is that strong aside. So if, if they could get through Alabama, maybe they've got a good shot there. So maybe that ends up being one, the rest of the three lines, West Virginia, um, Arkansas, I mean, I don't know, Kansas, nothing there really excites me or stands out. So maybe Texas is the one that just by the sheer luck of their bracket and the fact that Isaiah Livers got hurt and maybe doesn't play in the tournament, that could be enough for them to, to potentially make a run to, to the Final Four. The rest of, you know, the four and the five lines that we talked about, the four lines, nothing really excites me. If I had to pick one to make a run, I think it's Oklahoma State just on the back of, of Cunningham because he is such an electric player. Nobody else on the four line excites me. In the five line, you know, obviously we're a five, Creighton's a five. There's nothing there that I think can can really get it done. I think it would take a little bit more of a miracle on that side of things. Yep. All, all fair. I, I have one weird pick to the Sweet 16 at least. Um, Go for it. I think Michigan State can make the Sweet 16. Oh, God. Wouldn't you hate to have that? Ooh, I hate to have that matchup? I, I'd hate it. I mean, they're in the nice. first four. They're playing UCLA. I don't know if they get past UCLA. We'll see. I think they do. I think they're weirdly seated as, as an 11 in the first four. To be a last four team in, I don't agree with that. But it's weird because then you're giving Michigan State kind of a running start against BYU. Um, and I don't think much of BYU. I mean, like, yeah, they had a nice season. But, you know, that that conference, they had a 
they got they they they, did, they played well against Gonzaga for like a half a bad ball. That was it. That's yeah. that's 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 like their entire season. Not, um, Michigan State can beat BYU, and then Michigan State would theoretically get Texas in the round of thirty-two. We talked about it. That's a winnable game for them. So Michigan yeah. State can find their way into the Sweet Sixteen, and then who knows? I mean, you, you know, Tom Izzo. You know, like it, it, he could he could potentially go a little bit deeper there. Um, I do think there's a one pod that's kind of interesting: the Texas Tech, Utah State, Arkansas, and Colgate pod. That's a three six, you know, a six eleven three fourteen pod. I don't know why I could feel like the winner of that pod can charge all the way to the elite eight and come out, could potentially come out if Baylor somehow gets blown up um, you know, early on in the tournament. <laughs> that, that's a big, yeah. No, that's a big, yeah. That's right? still a very good team. Yeah, correct. Correct. But elite eight potentially for them would be, is possible because Texas tech has, has, has good leadership with, um, um, with Mac McClung is a fantastic player. Arkansas plays a fun brand of basketball. So anything can happen there. SEC has been real good this year, um, especially at the top of it with Arkansas and Alabama has been exciting to watch. And then, and then the only other team, West Virginia, I feel like can really make a charge. Um, their two seed is Houston. I think they're way better than Houston. So West Virginia gets out of their, you know, first couple games, they play Houston. They're in the Elite Eight, and then you know you got a fighter's chance against Illinois. Uh, West Virginia has a real good chance of getting out uh, of of the Midwest. Those are the teams that I like that are on the one and two line. Fair enough. Cool. Oh, one interesting tidbit that I picked up: no two games in like the pod section of this, like the first rounds, will be played at the same venue. Like so, so like so, like Villanova will play in one venue for the round of sixty-four, and then we'll play in a different venue for the round of thirty-two. Interesting. Yeah, I might have misread that, but Matt Norlander tweeted tweeted that. So, like, that is interesting little footnote. I thought interesting. Yeah. All right, take it for what it's worth. Yeah. Cool. All, all right. right. I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's that's all we had. Um, look, we said to you, let you guys have don't have expectation. Enjoy what we have left of Jermaine and probably, possibly uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Enjoy this while it lasts. It's nice to make a tournament. Um, it is hard. This has been a weird season. We've had injuries. You know, give these, cut these guys some slack. Cut Coach Wright a little bit of slack here, and just have fun and enjoy it because we get to fucking watch college basketball this March, and that in and of itself is a win. Truth, I love it. All right, thank you everybody for listening. As a quick plug, we are going to be looking for somebody, some help going into next season. We're still, Rob and I are still working that out, um, but we are going to be looking for a little bit of help editing social media, stuff like that uh, potentially. So please look out for that and please, please stay on social media. We will be inquiring, see if we can get some help on that front. We will pay. Um, But, but yeah, we have a couple people who we have on the payroll right now. Um, who are very helpful from a social standpoint. We are looking for someone to help edit the podcast though. Um, So with all of that said, um, thank you everybody for listening. Go cats. And as always, let's go Nova.